Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. The Todd Father. And we have a great episode with you for you today. Today, we are going to be talking with Erin Manning. Now, Erin um, is a photographer. She's been on several television shows, including being on the DIY Network, um, amongst other uh, just amongst other things. She's been all kind of all over the place. Erin um, is a professional photographer, so she actually gets to go all over the world. It was actually funny. Um, she is actually at the at the airing of this episode. She was she's just done. She just got done at the beginning of February. She was on a cruise for basically a month on a cruise ship, getting to uh, do photography on the cruise ship. So um, she she gets to do some pretty pretty cool stuff. But and she, who doesn't want to be on a cruise? Who doesn't want to? Who gets to? By the way. Where can I sign up for that job? Like that is so cool, but uh, but anyways, I digress. Um, she she uh, she teaches photography classes. Um, she has been known to uh, c- contribute in, in different ways um, through that. She does video um, content all the time, being able to teach people and help people. And she's told us the, that one of her her passions is actually being able to help um, novice photographers as they kind of begin to navigate what it looks like. Um, to get into photography, so she's a wealth of knowledge, um, tons and tons and tons of stuff that that we're going to be able to learn from her today. And if if you're kind of listening to this, going, well, I don't know, like I'm not really into photography. Listen, because um, she has a lot of creative ideas um, that can apply outside of just photography that I think are going to be relevant to everybody. But before we throw it over to our conversation with Aaron, we have our learner's corner podcast approved resource of the week caleb j mason what is your resource for this week my resource of this week is actually a series of podcasts that i nerd that i've been listening to recently it's called um the origins podcast with james andrew miller nerd don't judge just listen And what he does is he kind of takes a look at a specific subject, maybe a specific company or a person, and he researches the origins of it. And so the episodes that I want to recommend are the ESPN kind of story. And it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating story. Now I will say they are, they are long podcasts. They're probably about an hour. Tell, Tell them this. They're probably about an hour to an hour and a half. That's why you listen on two times speed or faster hashtag life hack by the way if you're not listening on time and a half speed for all of your podcasts you should be but anyway i i absolutely love this because it breaks down um the different stories of espn they talk about um espn and their engagement with social media over the age hey. over the years which if you've been following espn shout out jamel Hill. they actually get they actually get into it Jamel. Do, do they, oh, no, yeah. they don't. Yep. They oh do. man. They talk about the the origin story of their famous show, Pardon the, the Interruption, or PTI. They go into College Game Day, into their famous Thirty for Thirty documentary mm. series. Yep. Uh, they talk about Sports Center, and those are all the episodes that they've re- released up to um, up to this point, right now. And it's just it's just a fascinating interview because you hear some of the behind the scenes stuff. And one of my key takeaways that stood out to it from me was they were talking about PTI and how they were trying to create a different brand new show. And if you've watched the show before and it doesn't like if you watch it right now, it doesn't seem that revolutionary. 
But if you go back 10 years to whenever it originally started, there wasn't a show like PTI. And one of the things that really stood out to me is that they, they said that the components that we were looking for in a great TV show was that it needed to be better than everything else that was happening, and needed to be different, and it needed to be special. And all throughout, all throughout this whole story of ESPN, you find them taking what is regarded as kind of the rules or the things that you have to do and breaking them. And because of that, because they're willing to take the risks of ignoring the rules or bypassing the rules, they've ended up with multiple hit successes in College Game Day, 30 for 30s, and so on and so forth. And so it's just really a great episode, a great series of episodes. Like I said, it's a bit of a time commitment, but it is well worth it. Saturday morning podcast material. There you go. Now, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, we're going to talk with renowned photographer Aaron Manning, and we're going to join that conversation right now. Well, hey, Aaron, we're so glad to have you today on the Learner's Corner podcast. Hey, it's great to be here, Todd and Caleb. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, Aaron, can you tell us just a little bit about um, just about you, um, whatever you want to talk about your business, some of the stuff that you do? Um, just tell us a little bit about you. Well, thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> I Isn't do a lot of things. Awkward, it's an awkward point where it's like, okay, <laughs> tell me about you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I've always been a creative entrepreneur since day one, I think. Uh, as soon as I was, you know, could make, could string beads or make anything, that's what I was doing, trying to make things and sell them. And then um, when I was older, I, I discovered photography. And I became a professional photographer in, I guess it was about the late 90s, early 2000s. So now I can, I can say I'm a professional photographer, author, and educator. And I started hosting this television show back in 2005. I can't believe it was that long ago, right when digital photography started taking off. It was called The Whole Picture, and it aired on the DIY network and HGTV. And I started teaching people about photography. And when that happened, I realized, wow, there's all these people that really want to know about photography. And it sort of put me on the map visually so people knew who I was and what I was doing. And I started writing books and producing educational videos for companies like Canon, Adobe, SanDisk, um, and really realized that I loved to teach, that to me that was really invigorating and gratifying, and it was just really fun to connect with people on that level. So I shoot a lot of portraits of people, families, things like that, and then I also teach people photography. So it's been a lot of fun. Oh, and I forgot to say, I also have a line of photo lighting products. And that's how it sort of all happened between 2005 and now. So, so it's been a while. So you just kind of have your, your hands in pretty much everything, it sounds like, whenever it comes to photography stuff. It's all photo-themed, definitely, and a lot of photo education. And I'm known for teaching the photo enthusiast, photo beginner, photo enthusiast, someone that, you know, knows that they want to take pictures or they are taking photos and just want to get better. They may or may not want to become a professional photographer. What, what forum do you go through? Do you teach at a university or is it like online stuff? Well, it started with the television show sure. and I also teach on a cruise ship, um, two or three times a year. And that's been going on since about 2004. Um, I have, taught, you know, uh, in person when I would travel around, 
I've got a photo lighting kit that was really popular for quite a while. Then I would travel around to all the camera stores, retail stores like um, B&H in New York or Sammy's, Creepcore in St. Louis, all these different um, photo retail stores and give a lot of classes and things like that. Um, I've gone in and taught uh, briefly at like local colleges and things like that, but always kind of like an extension program something like that. So no, I'm not a, I'm not a professor like my parents, but I have that teaching gene apparently. <laughs> apparently it sounds like it. Though it would be really cool to be able to say you're a professor. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know if I feel like going through however many more years of uh, exactly. <laughs> school that I watched my parents go through. You know what though? Now with today with Twitter, right? You could just make that your handle. That's true. The, the professor of photography. Aaron That's Mary. true. Listen yeah, you can you I, can make up your own your Aaron, own name. Aaron, you know what? I think that you your people should get with my people, and we could work out, and I could give you like some advice as to how to make yourself cool. <laughs> I'm just saying. Apparently, I need that. I need that a lot. I'm just kidding, <laughs> Aaron. I want to go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago. You know, whenever Todd was saying about all the stuff that you do, you made the distinction of you do everything photo photo themed. So I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. And, like, what do you see the difference between, you know, all the normal photography stuff that you do and being, like, photo-themed? Um, well, all the normal photography stuff. So what do you mean by normal? Please define normal yeah, well, for I'm me. Just, I was just wondering because it seemed you, make a, you made a distinction between what Todd was saying. You said that you do everything photo-themed, and I was just curious about that. Well, I mean, if it has to do with, say teaching photography or creating a line of products that are photo themed, writing books about how to take better portrait photos, um, things like that, along okay. with, of course, actually shooting the photographs. So really, it's all about being creative. Um, I also help people shoot better video and create videos. That's what I do for the cruise ship. So um, as long as it's creative and, and imagery oriented, then that's what I'm interested in doing. How much hands-on photography stuff do you do now? I'd say I kind of try to divide my time um, up. It really just depends on bookings, to be honest. I mean, one month I might have three or four or five um, photography jobs, and maybe another month, you know, maybe one or two. It just, just sort of depends if I'm in town, for one, um, because oftentimes when I'm teaching on the cruise ship, I'm gone for a month, um, so I'm... I'm out there teaching photography and video. And it just, it really depends. Um, some, I'd say it's about half and half, awesome. really. And, you know, being a creative entrepreneur, doing the work is not your only job. Your, a lot of your job is um, marketing and creating the marketing and then getting the work. So that's, that's a huge part of being an entrepreneur. Sure. And then, of course, doing the job, whether it's actually shooting or teaching someone. And then um, sometimes it can be, you know, the other one third of your job is getting paid. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. So, so I just wanted to, to, to kind of shift gears a little bit uh, and talk about photography uh, as an art form. Can you can you talk to us about it as an art form? I think a lot of people when they think of art, you know, they, they think of paintings or things like that. Um, can you talk just a little bit about photography in your view as being an art form? Yes, I think photography definitely is an art form. I mean, you know, since the inception, it's always been maybe a little controversial, like, oh, wait, photography is an art. It's not a painting. Well, really, to each 
to each their own. I mean, some artists execute their vision with a camera and some with words. Maybe they're a writer or they're a painter. So I think it's really, you know, to each their own with what they choose to do to express themselves. As far as interpreting that as art, you know, that's very subjective. I really think as long as you're using, um, if you have a good idea about something, and it, obviously you're taking a photograph, you want to make that idea very strong in your photograph so to show people really what they're looking at and have them really understand it. And it may be what you intend or it may be, be might be totally different what the viewer interprets. Of course, that's what art's all about. Um, but the idea needs to be really strong, and you can make that idea happen by using and understanding light and composition and just being observant about what goes on in your world. I mean, I've heard it said that, well, photographers are just, you know, they're just capturing an instant in reality, and then painters sort of make up their own reality. So, um, I think there are a lot of different uh, angles of thought on that, but overall, I think photography as an art form really makes itself very accessible to, um, you know, everyone. So it's democratized art in a way. And anyone now can pick up a camera or a smartphone and take photos. And really, it doesn't even matter which camera you use, as long as you understand um, light and composition and how to use whatever camera you have in your hand so you can you know interpret that creativity i think you know you can create art that's awesome that kind of leads into the next thing i wanted to talk to you about you said something there you know people anybody really can do this This isn't like painting or something like that where it is a little bit more like you have to have a little bit more training um anybody can can take a a smartphone right and, and just start taking pictures um, so the, here's the, the question I had for you is just coming from a professional photographer like yourself, um, for the average person, you know, they're not looking to become, you know, a professional photographer. They're just looking to take a picture of their kids. Um, right. So what, what are some tips for the average person to improve the quality of their picture taking? Well, first off, it's, it's about the light. So really you need to understand where is the light coming from? Is the light, you know, are you outside? Is, is it? high noon is the light coming from overhead do you see shadows you know under your kids eyes um or is it late afternoon and you've got this nice beautiful soft light that just envelops them and everyone looks fabulous you really need to be able to identify that light now i know when i first started taking photographs i was kind of unclear of as to you know what's good light what's bad light i don't know uh, but Sometimes I just concentrate on trying to make people look good and make them visible in the photograph. So, for instance, sometimes I go and run on the beach here in Los Angeles, and it'll be, I like to run around sunset. And oftentimes that's when families are down at the beach taking photographs. And there's the sun setting behind them, because we're in California, the sun sets over the water, and um, they've got their back to the sun, and they're facing the photographer, and the photographer's wondering, like, why are they looking like silhouettes? Why, why is everyone all dark in the background and the and all all dark and then the background's all light what do I do to fix it and so sometimes I'll just run down the beach and I can't help myself it's like photo 911 I'll run over and go can I just give you a little tip you know if you guys would just turn a little bit this way so the sun like hits your face a little bit more and here I'll take the photo for you (laughs) or I show the dad you know just turn him this way and then the sun hits their face and then he's like oh my gosh I had no idea so just to like it sounds really almost 
you know, pedantic, like too simple, but it really is a huge deal. Understand what direction the light's coming from and the quality of that light. So if you can shoot early morning or late afternoon, great. You're probably going to get fantastic photos. You've got your family over for the holidays and the sun is setting whatever it's like four o'clock, four thirty, it's probably the sun is really beautiful. Take everyone outside, have them face the sun, and they won't be squinting or anything because it's nice and soft. And take a take a group shot of everyone that way. So light's really important. And so is composition. When you're looking at your in your um, LCD screen, whatever camera you're using, your optical viewfinder, when you're composing your shot, look around the say if you're shooting a person, look around them in the screen. Make sure that there's nothing weird coming out of their head, like a plant or telephone pole, or are there other distractions um, surrounding them? And if there are, then move yourself a little bit or move your subject a little bit so there isn't anything distracting in the background. Um, so you've got the good light, and now you're composing the shot as far as your angle. Um, for a lot of people, I'd say an, a good angle to shoot at is eye line or a little bit above their eye line so that's where you're holding the camera mm. usually not a good idea especially when people are older is to shoot from beneath um coming looking up but then depending on what sort of effect you want you know you can you can affect the look of a photograph by maybe you're down on the ground shooting up and someone's a little bit farther away and it makes them somehow seem so much more important <laughs> If you think about those paintings of Napoleon, right? Napoleon was kind of a short guy, but uh, the point of view of the painter was from down below and made him look big and important, um, which kind of leads into telling a story with your photographs and making sure that whatever you're shooting, you come in from different angles and from different distances. The most boring part of a photograph of some or photograph someone showing you, if they've got a a bunch of photos from their latest trip and all the photos are taken from the same distance and same angle. So mix it up, make it interesting. Tell a story with your photographs. I love that. So one of the things that I, we have a couple of friends who, who do photography like pretty seriously. Um, and one of the things that I I've heard them say before is that, you know, when, when a lot of times when they first start out, you know, they'll, they'll do a, a show or something like that or a wedding and they'll take like, 8 million pictures <laughs> like they're right. just snapping pictures of everything but as they've as they've you know gained experience and things they said that it goes way down to the point where you know they may do a wedding and and take only a couple of hundred pictures whereas before you know they were taking you know 1500 why is that and 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 what what are you looking for kind of as you progress in your photography abilities well, one of the reasons your friends probably decided to take fewer pictures is because they were spending their entire weekend in post-production, <laughs> looking at all those thousands of photographs and going through them and editing and making, you know, enhancing them, whatever they do with their photographs afterwards. Some photographers really like to get in and do a lot of Photoshop and things. It just depends. Um, so post-production is really something that's become a huge thing with digital photography. I mean, the great thing with digital is we can take a lot of photographs and we can learn from those photographs. And if we're feeling a little unsure, especially at a wedding or something, you don't, you know, you're hopefully not going to have to cre create that um, or can't, cre can't not, re you cannot recreate it. So let's say you want to go in and, and, and capture something important. That's why a lot of people are taking as many photos as they can think, well, there's a good one in here somewhere. 
But after you learn more about photography and you know, you can, you can feel it when you're looking through that lens. You can feel it when you've captured a good shot. And you know more about lighting, making sure if you're shooting with artificial light, you know, are my lights set up right? Is it the right exposure? So you've got this experience as you move through it. So I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people take a lot of photographs. But, you know, also taking a lot of photographs, sometimes you capture one of those unusual moments that you might not have set up or might not have happened otherwise, unless you were just taking a lot of photos. So... I don't know. I don't know that taking a lot less photos is always the answer, but I think through taking a lot of photos, you learn a lot. And you also make sure that you don't spend your entire weekend or week in post-production. <laughs> you know, Aaron, just as we were, you know, looking on um, your website and preparing for this interview, I noticed uh, kind of an article um, and I had about, you know, photography apps. And that's one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is just kind of what would be some good um, apps whenever it comes to a couple of different um, categories. And so the first one I wanted to ask you about is, you know, do you have any good apps for like stock photos or websites? It could or be websites. websites. You know, I, I use a lot. Um, sometimes when I'm preparing a presentation, I, I need to make a point and I don't have a photo that fits that particular point. I will go use Shutterstock. I just happen to like that that particular site. I find a lot on it. Um, Getty Images, of course, you know, they're like the huge stock site. In fact, I used to work for Getty Images many moons ago um, in business development, helping photographers put together shoots and going and spreading the word about this new thing called the Internet. So you can tell that was a while ago when I did that. <laughs> um, but I think those two sites, you can find a lot of um, of imagery. and then. You know, sometimes even if things are always growing and changing, I mean, maybe a few months will go by and I need to find a stock photo somewhere, I'll just Google the search, like even free stock photos. And a lot of times sites will send you or allow you to download a certain number of free stock photos. So I think it's, they're certainly out there. iStock Photo definitely democratized the whole stock photography industry. When I was working in stock photo photography back in the 90s, there were photographers making half a million dollars a year in um, royalties from licensing fees from their photographs. That's definitely changed. If you go to iStock Photo, you can license a photo of a certain size um, for a dollar. So um, it's more about volume now and just being really creative. I, I, it's really interesting to see how photography has evolved since digital and since so many more people are in it that have unusual points of view. So um, I don't know if that was kind of a long-winded answer to your, what's a good stock site? <laughs> no, but... That's okay. Uh, no, that, you... was, that was excellent. Are there any apps or any websites or any programs that you use for like editing your photos? All the time. So if, um, for instance, when I'm teaching on the cruise ship and I get out at one of the ports, I always carry my DSLR with me and then I carry my iPhone and I'm taking photos with both. So let's say I'm taking photos with the iPhone and I want to like, oh, this is a cool photo. I want to just grab it right now and I want to edit it and upload it right now to Facebook or Instagram. One that I use, and this is kind of revealing some of my secrets, okay, but this is uh, an app called Facetune. 
Facetune works with iOS and Android. It costs $3.99. Um, it basically is an app that allows you to swipe over imperfections with just a touch of your finger on a tablet or a smartphone screen. And, you know, gives you some results in a subtle or not so subtle, depending on how much you swipe, enhancement <laughs> to your images. So if you want to look like... Um, well, let's just put it this way. Here's my HD logic, high definition logic. All the cameras now are super high definition, right? They capture all this detail. You look on television screens, it's like like otherworldly detail. Ah, oh, sometimes too much. So here's my logic, you know, the camera captures way too much detail, so it's our job to naturalize a little bit and soften those wrinkles, just a tad. Just to make it look more real. <laughs> <laughs> Or at least a little bit better. Yeah. So Facetune is one of those. Um, another one I really like to use just to be artistic is Waterlog. It's spelled W-A-T-E-R-L-O-G-U-E, Waterlog. It only works with iOS. It's $2.99, and it's an app that immediately converts your images into this beautiful watercolor right before your very eyes. It's really amazing. Sometimes I do that if I, I've captured a photo. I think, oh, let me just see what it'll look like in Waterlog. And I put it through there. I just posted one on Facebook yesterday of, um, or day, two days ago, of the day at the, a picture I took of the fires here in L.A. I was at the beach. And what happens in Los Angeles in the fall and winter is we get these Santa Ana winds that blow out from the desert over the water. And it basically blows all the schmutz out over the water. But it creates great sunsets. So I took this really cool sunset shot, and I just fixed it up a little bit in waterlog. And it looked even better and posted it on Facebook. Um, Another one I like to use is Prisma. And this was really popular last year and still is. It works with iOS and Android. It's free. And it's basically an app with all these filters that transform your images into artwork using the styles of famous artists like Picasso or Mondrian, something like that, but lots of lots of choices. And that creates some really cool stuff, too. In fact, I don't know if you all were in on this, but last summer it was, like, really popular to take your photo, take a selfie, and then put it through the Prisma app and put that as your um, Facebook profile. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of folks do that. Yeah, I was wondering where they were doing that from. Yeah, so now you know Prisma. Prisma's know really cool. Um, what's another one I like to use? Oh, if you want to watermark your images on the go, so let's say you're posting a lot of images online, social media, and you want to make sure, or at least try to make sure they're not stolen by someone else, is to put your watermark on them. It's called iWatermark. Works with iOS and Android. It's $1.99, and it's just a fast way to watermark your images and save you time and you know, potential legal angst just by protecting your images with text and graphics and signature, even a QR um, watermark before posting them online. So I use that a lot, especially when I'm traveling. Um, another one I discovered, two of them actually, um, by the same company. One is called Fonto, P-H-O-N-T-O. It works with iOS and Android. It's free. And it basically lets you get creative by placing um, any kind of font on your photo. I know that sounds like really basic, like, oh, big deal. I can do that in Snapseed and everything else. But this gives you lots of fonts. So it really makes you look like you're a graphic designer, too, with your photos. So I use um, Fonto. And then there's another one. It's um, sister app. It's called Vont, V as in Victor, V-O-N-T, iOS and Android free. And basically, it places all kinds of creative fonts on your videos. So oh, both of those are pretty cool. 
That's really neat. I love that. I'm gonna yeah, use there's, that there's one some today. fun ones. I mean, I could go on and on about about apps. I get all excited about them. And here's one just for fun. Okay, I'll leave you with this one. Diddy, D-I-T-T-Y, mm-hmm. iOS, Android free. Basically, you type any words you want, and it lets you pick music, maybe even a few animated gifs, and then Diddy sings this message for you. So it's really hilarious. You might be, you know, sitting, you're out to dinner with someone, and they order something weird for dinner, and you can, like, type it into this Diddy app, and it'll sing a song about it and put pictures on it, or you can put your own pictures on it, and it makes a little video. Caleb hates Just, you. Caleb hates you now, because no. I'm going to do this to him all the time. <laughs> I'm just gonna send him this stuff. He's gonna like block me. <laughs> yeah, I will. yeah. Try the try the Diddy app, and I have actually I have a whole um, PDF printout of all these too. I'll be happy to send you guys. That'd yeah, be awesome. that would be great, and we can put that in the show notes. Do you have any of any others that are like for effects? Um, gosh, I know there are a lot of effect ones um, that like blow stuff up and do things like that, but I. I don't really use them that often. I, I've had friends tell me about them. I think I've probably downloaded it. It's somewhere on my iPhone. I don't know where. I'll have to get back to you on that one. Oh, one more. Here's one I was looking at called Roll World. It's an effect. It basically, it's iOS only and it's free, but it creates this like stereographic or little world effect with your images or videos. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. It just it, and you can put music to it. It's kind of wild. I did a, had a friend who sent me one initially. Um, his name is Jack Davis, a, a great photographer, lives in San Diego, and he was showing me some of the apps he likes one day, and he, he showed me this Roll World, and he made a really cool, like kind of. He took I think it was a photo of um, a beach with palm trees, and Roll World sort of put it all and like rolled it together so the palm trees were like in the middle of this circle rolling. Or I don't know. It's wild. You just have to try it. Roll World. I'm gonna be playing with this all stuff all weekend now. Thank you. <laughs> it's fun. Hey, Aaron, uh, just switching gears a little bit. I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I want to ask you, you know, how how do you tell a story with photography? You know, I can imagine people thinking, you know, photography, it's a little bit like still images. It's a little bit like video. And I mean, most of the time in pictures, there aren't any words. And so how how do you tell a story with uh, photography? Oh, yeah, that's a good question, because you really can tell a lot from just a photograph or a series of photographs. So what I always try to do, and I I try to help other people do too, is when you're shooting something, think about getting a wide shot of the area, a medium shot, you know, a little bit closer, and then a real close-up shot. If you think about how television shows and movies edit, you'll start paying a lot more attention to this and kind of breaking it down. Maybe you're, you turn on the television and suddenly you're drawn into this show because you see a close-up of a hand with a key opening up a door. And then you see a medium shot of like the look on someone's face when the door opens. And then a wide shot of where the whole thing is happening. And then maybe another medium shot and another close-up shot. And you put all these together, it starts to tell a story where you don't need words. You can guide people through your vision just by taking a wide shot, a medium shot, and a close-up shot and putting them together. I remember, um, whether it's still photos or video, I remember going to portfolio classes years ago when I was trying to um, be better and get more get more work in the commercial photography world. And I would go to these seminars on the weekends and try to get information from creative directors that were basically paid to be there and trying to help people. 
with their portfolios. And I'll never forget this one art director telling me, you know, you can draw people into your portfolio if you tell a story with your images on two pages that are opened up. He said, have one page um, be a photograph of like a wide shot of the area, and then the, and then the other page facing it, a close-up of something else in that wide shot. So it's it tells that story just with those two photographs. And if you think about how we see, what do our eyes focus on when we go somewhere? Let's say you walk into a fruit market, and the first thing you do is maybe, you know, something catches your eye at one of the stands, and you look at it, and then you step back and look at the whole place, and then maybe you look at the face of the person behind the fruit stand. So think of that when you're starting to shoot and capture all those different angles, distances, and looks. So think about, you know, people and the places and the things that are all there. And then, of course, every good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Now, you may be capturing that way or you may put it together that way later. So just think about that as you're presenting your imagery, whether it's still or video, scrapbook. In a, in a video or just in a portfolio online, whatever it is you're doing. Some people also like to take portfolio shots where um, maybe it's, uh, it's about color and how the pictures relate to each other with color and the objects may not relate at all. Maybe it's a, a horse of a certain color in one photograph and then another photo next to it that's of something completely different but is reminiscent of the shape of the horse or the color of the horse or something like that. So to break it down, think about, you know, you really have to kind of break down how do we see things? How do we interpret things? That's interesting. So, Aaron, here's the question I have for you. How do you, how do you get better at this? Um, you know, we, you've been doing this for a while. What, what are some things that you've, you've done to improve your craft just in general? Um, it could be telling, telling stories. It could be just technical pieces. Um, it could be equipment stuff. But how, what have you done to improve your craft? <laughs> so many things. Well, for one, anytime you teach something, you really learn it. Because, God forbid, I'm up on a stage or teaching a group of people and I don't know what I'm talking about, right? So I really, I may know something in the way that I do it, but to really know it, then I'll just do a lot, of, a lot more research on it. Look at what other people are doing, look at their photographs, and Google, 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 and really try to capture the whole picture of something. Um, so I, I better understand it from all angles. So for one, that's one answer, teaching it, but not everyone's going to be teaching photography, right? Um, just doing it, coming up against a problem. How do we all learn to work with our computers? Some of us are more computer savvy than others, right? But you have a, you're trying to do something. You've got a project, and something goes wrong. You're like, ah. Oh. So what do you do? You keep trying. You keep trying. You keep. You go around other other angles. Go through the back door, side door. Try to fix it. Turn it off. Turn it back on. And doing all these things, it's exasperating. But you're learning, and you're learning what the right thing is, and you learn all the little, little different things along the way about your camera, about shooting pictures of people. It's a lot of it's just you know, shoot, shoot as much as you can. Shoot pictures of your family. Shoot pictures of your friends. Understand how they look better when you're taking photos of them. Really look at the photos later and, and have them look at the photos and, and everyone kind of get a better idea of, you know, what's, what's going on, what's happening with this photograph, what looks good, what doesn't look good, and go back and shoot it again. So a lot of trial and error. People don't become great photographers 
overnight. You might have a great eye and be very creative, but then maybe you don't know much about your camera and you need to learn about that technically. So everyone comes at it from a different place, a different direction with different wants and needs, but I think essentially we all want to express ourselves and we want to document an important moment and um, be creative. So a lot of that just comes with shooting as much as possible, learning about the light and composition. And of course, if you're shooting people, learning about people because and engaging them in front of your camera. If you're taking a portrait of someone and you know, you're not even talking to them and you're just over there shooting and they're feeling all uncomfortable, that's how they're going to look in the photograph. So you start to learn, gee, I, I need to talk to that person in front of the camera. I need to tell them how they look and help them out and you know, form a relationship with them so I can make this photo look fantastic. Aaron, you know, as, as you're, you're teaching like young photographers, what, are there anything that you see that most young photographers underestimate? Well, it depends on what they're trying to do. I mean, if they're younger photographers, I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot of people coming to photography, young or old can make mistakes. So I don't know if I would, if I would just. Well, I mean, like anyone who's just getting into photography, are there, or are there any mistakes or anything that they underestimate that you see as maybe a common theme? Yes. Get out of the automatic mode <laughs> and really experiment with all different types of exposure. Really play around with that, you know, play around with depth of field and understanding the settings on your camera because a lot of people come to this thinking, oh, you know, I've got this great idea. I want to shoot this and do this. And, and they may all be great ideas and creative and fabulous. But if you don't understand the technical aspects of the equipment you're working with, your creativity is going to suffer in the outcome. So really understanding whatever camera it is that you're using, the technical aspects of it, and how to get creative with that tool. So get out of automatic. A lot of people, you know, maybe they'll purchase an expensive camera and lens thinking, oh, now I'm a, now I'm going to be a better photographer. Well, your photos might look a little bit better. Maybe you're using a better lens or something. But if you don't understand light and composition and camera angle and all that, then it really doesn't matter what camera you're using. You need to really understand the tool. Sure. Who are some people that you, you kind of follow or watch that you learn from? Um, who, who are like photographers? You know, it's like it's all over the map. Um, Andre Cortez is a photographer from many moons ago that shot a lot of black and white. Um, I I look at his photographs and just you know see the people in them and the strange angles maybe he's shooting or just his kind of offbeat style. I like that. Um, for right now, I don't. I don't have any one person that I like to follow online, so I can't really name any names, but I do go onto my Instagram account a lot and I follow a lot of people and they follow me and I try to go on and see what everyone's doing. I mean, I just came off the cruise ship a couple weeks ago and I was all over Europe and the Middle East and there was another photographer on board. You know, they have a photo concession on board too that takes the photographs of everyone and then sells them. And they'll introduce a um, what they call the master photographer to come on board and and do photo sessions with people. It's a completely different division than me. I'm in the teaching division when I'm on board. But um, there's a guy named John Paris that's a friend of mine, and he's from Scotland. And he takes just some amazing photographs of people and places. 
So I do, I do follow him a lot, and I look at his photographs. So I guess, actually, I do have a person to name. John Paris. <laughs> he takes some really killer shots, and what I love about what he does in port is he'll bring his big DSLR, and he'll have a wide-angle lens, and he'll take pictures of people um, kind of in a stealth-like manner because, you know, sometimes you have to be careful about the photos that you're taking of people. And when people are aware of a, being, of a photo being captured, they might act differently in the photograph. So he'll take a lot of stealth shots but get some great street photography is what I call it, just like reactions and looks on people's faces and moments that you might see in your mind's eye or you might see in a glimpse, but you weren't prepared to capture. He captures all those. So that's something I really enjoy. What's uh, what's your mindset on a photo shoot? Like, what are you what are you looking for? Like, what for you, for you personally? Well, when I shoot, I like things to be candid and sort of spontaneous and real moments. So, setting that up on a, on a, a set, large or small, you have to contain it. So, I guess I I call it contained spontaneity. <laughs> so we know we're shooting in a certain area. Um, and I'll get that area kind of set up with lights and the possibility of, oh, we might shoot over here, we might shoot over there, and depending on who's in front of the camera um, and how I'm directing them. For instance, if it's kids, I usually set them up with something to do, and then they just play around and do what they do as kids. And then I, you know, go around and capture photographs of them in a kind of a candid manner because... As anyone that's shot children knows, you put a child in front of a camera and say, okay, we're going to take pictures. They either give you that fake, cheese, I'm just going to stand here really still and say cheese until you're done, and then I'm going to go play. Well, right. what you want to capture is when they go play, not when they say cheese. <laughs> right. Sometimes it's the moments between the moments. So just contain spontaneity, meaning I've set up a particular set or I'm in a certain area where I know I'm going to be shooting and I just kind of prepare for the unexpected. Sure. So whenever you're like on the cruise ship and you're, you're teaching and you're doing different stuff like that, um, how do you teach something like photography that, that does require creativity and skill? Like I could teach a person how to drive and it requires skill, but I think it's different than teaching something like create like like photography that requires like a creative eye or the ability to see things um in a different way how do you teach something like that like is there any yeah. particular way of doing make, it or, or yeah talk to us a little bit about that yeah you make a good point because i've often said it's it's easier to teach people the technical aspect of photography than it is the creative aspect of photography sometimes when people just have an intuitive eye it makes things easier, you know, because they go in and they have this creativity kind of already. But maybe someone has had their creativity suppressed for, for whatever reason. I tend to think everyone's creative to some degree. And maybe they've just, like, been in a job for years that suppressed that creativity or they grew up in a family that didn't honor creativity. So they don't feel comfortable with it. They don't really know it well enough. And I try to open it up in them by giving them examples of things I've done. For instance... When I'm teaching people how to shoot video and, and pictures and create a little mini video movie out of it, 
I'll give them examples of what I've done. Like, hey, you know what? Here we are in a ship, and we've got all this water around us and beautiful sky and, and sea. And you'll notice, now that you all know how to identify the quality of light and direction of light when you go outside, that this, the sky and the sea look different at all times of day. So take photos and videos of that. And think about placing the horizon line in the upper third or the lower third of the image. And capture some video of that and we're going to put that into your videos that you create because it'll make a great introduction to your video we've got all this sort of solid sky or interesting ocean or whatever it is and we can put text over it and introduce your video so i give them some um kind of conceptual ideas but also very specific practical ideas and that starts to kind of make sense to them like oh I have a practical one two three I can do so they start doing it and then that opens up the creativity within them because you just like you can't tell a kid to smile in front of the camera you can't tell someone to just be creative right what does that mean what does that look like how do I interpret creativity how am I going to be creative but if you have someone like me telling them here's what I do and let me show you a way to just step by step create this then they'll sort of take it from there. I've seen some people really open up in some of these classes just by having, you know, a little kickstart and then making it okay for them to be creative. Another thing, you know, when I was becoming a photographer, I took classes everywhere I possibly could. And I learned that some teachers are better than others. And sometimes if you're in an environment where, um, let's say photography instructor is being very condescending or, Hey, if you're only as good as me or not really giving people the support and the sort of friendly atmosphere that they need to open up that people tend to shut down. So my goal is to make it as comfortable as possible, as accepting as possible and allow people to, to be themselves and create something within that kind of structured space and be safe. It's a safe place to be. So I try to make it fun and friendly and then people open up and all kinds of great things happen. You know, Aaron, one question that we always love to ask is what are you learning right now? And it can literally be about anything. What am I learning right now? Well, I am trying to get better at managing my own website <laughs> and working with WordPress. Um, I can do, you know, I do some things on my website where I will change up, you know, the homepage and the slider and add things in there. But I really want to know more and, and really delve deep. And so how do I do that? Um, I go on lynda.com. I take, I, I've actually, I'm an instructor with lynda.com too. So I've, I teach a lot of, I've taught some online classes for them and I then go in and take online classes from everyone else. And they're at all different levels. So even before I go teach something, I might refresh in my mind, go on to lynda.com and, um, you know, just sign up for one of the online classes and, and, uh, learn from there. So that's what I'm doing right now with my WordPress. So I'm trying to learn that and get better at it. Aaron, if people want to continue to learn from you or if they want to see some of your photography, you know, how can they do that? Well, go to my website. The website I'm now trying to, to, <laughs> to work on is AaronManning.com. So I have a lot of info in there about, I mean, there are 
all kinds of things you can learn, watch a video, read an article, find out more, um, see where I'm traveling next. I'm actually headed to South Africa in January to teach. So I'm, I'm just trying to kind of make my website a, a portal, a place people can go to, and then everything sort of emanates from there. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast, Thank Aaron. Thank you. It's been lots of fun. You guys are great. Okay, so Todd, other than finding ways to take better Instagram photos, what's some of your takeaways from our conversation with Aaron? I was really kind of thinking about Instagram photos a lot now. I'm just kidding. Um, so one of the things that I, I took away, and I think this is what applies not just to photography, but but to but to everything really. I mean, any business, church, world, whatever it is, I think it I think it this applies. Is we need to be able to get in the weeds of what apps and things have been created that are even third party that we might not know about or what we do. That somebody's already come up with the idea, somebody already has the, the 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 technology or whatever it is needed to be able to do this, and it just makes our life easier. So we really need to do the work of digging in the weeds and finding the finding the apps or the technology or the software to be able to help make our lives easier i'm thinking of, of things as simple as um things like the simple mind we talked about that before app just a, a, a mind mapping thing all of a sudden we need to get in the weeds to figure out for our job what types of technology and tools are actually out there that can maybe help us solve the problem that through i think that she did a great job of explaining apps what they're for and then also technology and how it can be used to enhance photography but i think that we can apply that directly the business, church, all those types of Yeah, and who doesn't love a good app that can help them? Right. Duh. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, one of the best ways that you can show us what you learned about is by leaving us a rating and writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you use. Or you can just hit us up on social media, on Instagram. You know, we're posting quotes throughout the week of kind of things that we learned about. We're on Twitter. Let us know it. Uh, some of the stuff that you learned about as well. Now, the best way to make sure that you don't miss any of these conversations is by subscribing to this podcast on whatever podcast player you use. You know, Todd and I, we use Overcast. You might use TuneIn or Apple Podcasts. Stitcher. Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it is, doesn't whatever. matter. Whatever it is. Just subscribe. It's the best way to make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes over the next several weeks. And we have some great episodes coming up over the next several weeks. Booyah. Do people say booyah anymore? You just did. I just did. I don't, though. Thanks so much for listening this, to this podcast today. Like I said earlier, let us know what you're learning. or Let us know some of the things that you would love to learn about. Because we're always looking to learn, and we love to learn. And we'd love to hear some of your ideas as well. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is Todd Ixenbaugh. And until next time, keep learning and keep growing. Deuces, y'all.